Good morning for the Met Radio Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroxy, and returning to the show, I've got actress Sonia Belcazar. How you doing? Good. How are you, Donovan? I'm doing good. Welcome back to the show. It has been a year. A year goes by quick, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Thank you for having me back. All right, all right. And where are you from? Again, in case there are listeners that forgot about Miss Belcazar. I'm currently living in Los Angeles, but I am from the Bay Area. I'm from San Jose, California, specifically Eastside San Jose, where I was raised. Um, Still spend a lot of time there. All right. All right. Did you want to remind the listeners how did you decide you wanted to be an actress? Because maybe they forgot about the backstory. Yeah. And and I'm also sure that you have some new listeners that may not have heard as well. Um, But, you know, I I feel like I've always wanted to be an artist in some way to express myself through dance or through um, theater. But I didn't realize it until I was in middle school where a teacher of mine assigned us students in the class to write a speech. And we had to write, rehearse a speech on what we wanted to be when we grew up. And at that time, I wanted to be a doctor. So I wrote a speech and memorized the whole speech we had to present in front of the class. And I realized that it was my way of being able to rehearse, present my ideas or present pieces of myself to people in a in a way that I could kind of prepare because I was a shy, a, a very shy child. And so this allowed me to kind of break through that shyness. And I did really well and ended up going on to a speech competition with that particular assignment. It kind of blew my mind and I realized, wow, I, I'm really good at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, that's how I I became interested in in acting, really, because acting is about reading a script, developing the character and and, um, rehearsing and, you know, sharing that art and that character with the world. And you are good at that, right? You're good at memorizing the script. Do you ever forget your lines on set sometimes? Well, I think um, what I'll do, I don't necessarily forget what it is, is I'll paraphrase. And it might be because maybe something means more to me or, or a particular way of saying it feels more human to me. And that's if, of course, I've had an agreement with the director that that's okay. Some directors, they want you to you know specifically stay on script and don't deviate from that. And and I respect that decision as well. So it just depends on the director and the relationship that we have or really the decisions that are made. But in some cases, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just paraphrase and um, that that's okay. And sometimes that's just more natural. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what is paraphrasing in case listeners don't know? Well, let, let's just say, um, you know, there's a line uh, written a specific way, but it's not rolling off your tongue as easy as it would if you said it in a different way. Um, just like we have different ways of, of, you know, interacting with the people in our lives. And you might have a specific speech with friends and it's different than you would have with your boss at work. And so you just kind of adapt to the people that you're talking to and use the language that you would use in that particular scenario. So it's just kind of switching out the words on the page with what you would say naturally. So, you know, uh, maybe if I was going to say, I will meet you at 8 p.m., tonight donovan versus hey see you later right okay. it's it's kind of saying the same thing i'm gonna see you later but it's more formal the first way so you just kind of paraphrase to 
to to make things sound more natural. All right. We were paraphrasing last night where when you a day before you jumped on Zoom and then what do you call it? You said I said no. So we kind of did a paraphrase, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I showed up a day early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. So listen, 2023, right? It was a hard yes. year for a lot of actors and actresses. We had the writers and the actor, actors and actress strike. What were your thoughts about that? I think it was, it was really difficult for the industry and a lot of people that I know suffered because, you know, businesses fell apart and a lot of filmmakers weren't working, actors weren't working, and even crew, um, folks that would get hired for productions weren't working. So it impacted the industry significantly. Um, but I think it was necessary and we needed to do that to, to rewrite the agreements that were kind of preliminarily in place because there was wasn't any specific agreements for streaming contracts. And so I think it was necessary. It lasted a long time, but but it was necessary and it needed to happen so that we can fight for um, some type of an agreement. Huh. And um, it was tough. A lot of folks are still bouncing back. And I'm, I'm grateful that I have a position. I have a day career that supports my acting career. And so I still had, you know, income and I still had support. But I do have a lot of friends that were suffering, um, you know, financially because of the strike. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you guys think you got exactly what you wanted or happy? Because I know it's a three-year tentative deal, right? I wouldn't say we got exactly what we wanted. I don't even think it's near, but it's, it's you know, when you negotiate a contract, you're trying to find a middle ground to keep moving. There was some middle ground that was we got to in order to keep moving, um, but I'm sure there's going to be renegotiations um, once that three-year contract's over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And are you comfortable with AI taking your image and using it without your notice? Well, you no, no, I'm not comfortable with AI taking my image and not using it without my notice. Um, and th that's part of what the agreement's about, right? Making sure that actors and talent in general have a say over their likeness. Mm -hmm. um, so I believe if, if, if the actor has a say in how it's being used for that particular film, they can choose that. But letting them have that conversation and letting them have that decision-making process um, or decision-making is is imperative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you were offered, would you be comfortable as long as you agreed with it with somebody taking Sonia's images, image and using it? Not images, you depends. Know, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know. It would I haven't been offered anything like that yet. Um, and I would really have to look at whatever is in front of me at that time to d decide if that's going to be good for me or not. So I don't really know. Um, but I was in a film recently called Little Death, which just premiered at Sundance um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, David Schwimmer's the lead actor in that film, and him and, and some other, um, you know, amazing actors, but they used AI for some of his um, dream sequence scenes. And so it was interesting to see the film because that, that it's a very innovative film and it actually won the Innovator Award at Sundance because it wow. implemented AI in the film. However, when you when you watch it, it's not using his likeness in any negative way. It's it's him and he's in the film. But for the dream, dream sequences is where, you know, that that appears and it's it is an innovative use of the technology and that's you know their decision to 
to choose to use that for the purposes of making this film. It's an independent film, right? So um, it's not it's not a, a big box office, big budget film. And so, you know, you have to decide how do you make that vision come to life? And I can see how AI can do that for filmmakers. And in this case, it did. Um and there wasn't anything wrong with uh, what was created with it, but it was with permission. So I think that as long as the actor agrees to what's created and, um, you know, they whatever agreements put in front of them, if that's what they're happy with, then that's their decision to make. OK, OK, OK. Now, last year we did talk about Addicted to You, right? It was in its final development stages. How did that go? It went great. Um, we premiered last May, May of 2023, and right out the gate, um, we did really well. We won Best Cinematography at the Mexican-American Film and TV Festival. And I also won Best Actress at that festival for the premiere. And then since then, uh, we won several awards. Uh, Best Short, uh, Best Director, Best Writing. Anthony L. Fernandez won Best Actor. Um, I won Best Actress at several other festivals. So I think it's four... <laughs> four awards for best actress so far uh, with this film. And I, that was just beyond what I had ever imagined for this film. So uh, we, we just continue to to keep winning at each of the festivals that we appear at and um, screen at. And there's a lot of good feedback on the film. So um, yeah, and we've also been nominated for other festivals as well for best short, um, you know, best directing and, and best drama, a lot of categories. So, you know, it's been received well and we've won a lot of awards and I feel very, very happy with the way the audiences have been receiving the film. Mm -hmm. And just remind listeners, what is Addicted to You about? Addicted to You is, is a personal story um, that stemmed from my personal experiences, um, in, you know, growing up, but also my relationships and um, the relationships of the women that I've had in my life, um, you know, family members and friends. And so I wanted to really um, express the pain and alchemize pain from what I've seen a lot of women in my life experience, including myself, um, through, you know, a fictional story, but really kind of outlines what we've all experienced put together in one storyline. It's it's about addiction and codependency and how it plays a role in generational cycles of trauma that get passed down and how we need to break those cycles um, in our relationships to have healthier relationships for our um, children, our you know daughters, our sons, and really just be a better example for um, healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. Could there be another film similar to Addicted to You that you're working on? Um, not a similar film, but a, a different film. I'm working on a film uh, now. It's going to be filmed in March called Homegoing. And it's a story. I play a therapist in this film. And um, Patty Diaz is the director in this. And she's an amazing writer and, and director. This is just a, a very heartfelt and genuine story about a relationship between a therapist and her patient um, in his final days. And so it's 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 difficult because it's the content is difficult to to imagine that someone is going through but i'm sure therapists go through that as they absorb and are very empathetic and compassionate to their their patients so um yeah it's going to be quite a different character for me to play i'll be a therapist i have played therapist before but this one's a little bit deeper so i'm excited to do that and i'm looking forward to this film mm -hmm. sonia you always play in some really tough roles like emotional tough roles eh yeah 
Yes, very visceral roles. One of my acting coaches told me that a couple of weeks ago. He's like, you like the dark, the dark, uh, gritty, dramatic, visceral roles. I'm like, yep, yep. That, those are the roles I I, <laughs> I go for those roles. But the interesting thing is I also play comedy really well. And, and that's the irony in it all, because I did a scene in class that was comedic and um, like, you're really good at it. And it, 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 it's interesting because that's not what I gravitate towards. I gravitate towards visceral roles, but I end up playing the comedic roles very well. So um, it's a good balance for me. Now, tell us what the atmosphere was like winning the awards and at these film festivals, because our listeners want to know. They want to maybe experience one day going to a film festival or maybe seeing an indie film. Um, Well, I would encourage anyone, whether you're in film or not in film, um, just just an audience member, look up the film festival in your in your area in your town every town has a film festival um there's thousands and thousands of film festivals around the world and um when i was younger i used to go to uh film festivals just just as a kid right just like wanting to go see films and look at independent films and i I would go to um a local film festival from where where i'm from in san jose called cinequest and i would just watch film after film after film and then the cool thing is that most of them have a q and a afterwards so the filmmakers or the actors are there and you get to talk to them you get to ask them questions about the making of the film and the process and I I did that I did that a lot I watched a lot of films and asked a lot of questions so by the time um you know, I went to acting school, I had already had a good experience of of just being curious about the film, the independent filmmaking process and watching a lot of indie films, and then going to, um, you know, acting school, and then starting to be a part of films, and then those films going to the film festivals I used to attend, it's just a beautiful feeling. But then when you actually win an award, it was just a beautiful feeling, because the, the awards I'm used to winning are more achievement like in my work career or in school in other areas or other arts but in acting it was a beautiful feeling to receive the best actress award for this film um, not once but four times um, so it's it's a beautiful feeling I feel very blessed and grateful that all the years of my dedication to this craft are really um, beautifully beautifully um, you know showing me gratitude and acknowledgement um, for the craft that I, I work on every single day Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's your take to minority women in the industry? And they feel like they are not getting paid what they should be paid. Um. Well, I'm sorry, what was the question? What was what do you call it? Well, I'm just trying to ask, what is your um take to minority women in the industry, in the industry, not being paid uh uh, the, they feel they deserve because we heard Taraji P. Henson a few weeks ago for the color purple that she felt mm-hmm. she was not paid her, what do you call it, what she was entitled. So what do you think when minority women voice their concerns where they felt they should have been paid more? Well, I think it's necessary because it's that unspoken um, you know, thing that is true. It's it's a fact. I went to lunch with some coworkers of mine. Um, they were they were talking about the same thing where women 
minority women get paid 65% of what they should be getting paid um, for the same roles. And it's, it's sad that it's at that rate, but it needs to be brought up so that people are aware. Had Taraj Henson had not, you know, talked about that on that podcast and it becomes so widespread and viral, my friends at that table wouldn't have never even known that that was the case. And so it's about bringing awareness to, um, you know, everyone everywhere that, that that's the case with so that has to change, right? And even in the agreements that we make, um, you know, some of the films that I'm offered and roles that I'm offered, you know, the first thing I make sure that I express is that, okay, well, if I'm agreeing to this, I want to make sure I'm not getting paid any less than um, the actor that I'm working with. And so making that statement so that, you know, I'm already saying you're going to pay me equal to this other actor <laughs> um, or, or I'm not doing the project um, is, and this is on an independent level, of course, this is not on any um, larger level, but, you know, I have the ability to to make those choices and to say, no, I'm not going to do this project. But but it's also just out of fairness so that they're um, so I'm I'm respected and I'm treated equally versus taking a gig for 65 percent of what my fellow actor would be getting just because I didn't speak up. Right, 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 right. Now, do you think and now some listeners might think, well, isn't it getting better? What do you say to that? Because of the larger minority scale of women in some of these roles, wouldn't it be getting better pay wise? Well, it, it getting better is subjective, because um, we're so far behind in even having representation so far behind and even having representation in, in roles that um, should be, you know, ambiguous in ethnicity. I feel like we're so behind in representation that there's, it's twofold, right? We're fighting for representation and then we're also fighting for pay. So then if you get one, do you forego the other? It's, it's like, okay, if I'm going to get, you know, equal pay here in this role, but I don't get the role or do I get the role, but I'm getting paid less. And so there's, two things that we're fighting for representation first and foremost so that we get the roles that we should be getting right you know secondly are we getting paid equally are we getting paid what we should um so that we're represented you know financially as well mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what's your message to maybe other minority women wanting to take a crack at this industry but they may what do you call it be discouraged hearing this that you know what me i'm looking for a lead role next year and i don't feel i'm gonna get it or if i do i have to make this much money what do you want to say to them and you already made your point about making your stance as you won't get paid a certain amount. But what do you want to tell, what do you call it, other minority women looking to take a crack at this industry and start? Well, my opinion on on the art overall, and this would be to anyone, is if you're doing it for money, then don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> because it, that was never my reason to act. I, I'm act, I act because it's my art and I'm going to act whether someone's paying me or not. I'm, I, I rehearse every day at home. I'm rehearsing a script. I'm reading a script. I'm working on, you know, analyzing a character. I'm doing it all the time, hours a day. But because that's my art, it's just like an, a painter would paint, a, a musician, you know, a pianist would play the piano, whether they're in front of a, an audience or not. They just sit in front of the piano and play. And so... 
as an artist, I my advice would be if you're in it for the money, that's in, I mean, everybody has their own reasons to get into it. And if you want to do it for money, then I don't have advice for you because that wasn't my reason and I don't have that perspective. But once you're already established and in the industry, then you have the business side of it you have to think of. And I think a lot of folks should get support. There's a lot of acting coaches and acting, um, you know, mentors that could help coach you on the business side of acting, which is a whole different beast. And you should get advice in that area. Um, find mentors. I would advise, um, you know, other female minorities, find mentors, find women that are in the positions you want to be in and you aspire to be in and, and take their advice or ask them questions and really work hard towards your craft, but surround yourself with the people that you aspire to be like, because that's how you're going to elevate. And maybe, for example, if I was a female, I'm not listeners, I want to be like Sonia. What do you tell me? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you just have to, like, I have a lot of women that reach out to me on social media, you know, that I've been, I've never met in person, um, but that have, you know, been messaging me for a few years now. And, you know, some of them, some of them ask for advice. I give them some initial, I find out where they're at and give them some initial advice. Some of them take it and then I, they ask me for more advice and then, you know, we continue to guide them and give them whatever tidbits I can. But others, after the first, uh, you know, set of advice, they don't really do anything and they just fall off. And if you can't, if you can't sign yourself up for an acting class, then, you know, you're really not passionate about doing it. And so you just have to, you know, I'm not wasting my time working with folks that don't want to do the work. You have to do the work. And no one's going to help you unless you're showing an effort to do the work and improve yourself because nobody's going to be a motivation for you. You got to motivate yourself, but you also got to show um, the effort that you're trying to become better at your craft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we love Sonia. And Sonia, you're a strong woman, I always say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Did you have advice to the listeners of what you would like to tell them if they decide to watch Addicted to You? What's one gem you would leave with them? Um, you know, it's we have to break the cycles. Really, that's that's the message. We have to break the cycles of whatever addictions um anyone has. And it's it's left vague in the film, but you can place any addiction in that particular relationship and it's going to sit the same way because, um, you know, the unhealed traumas that we carry on and pass down from generation to generation are really what harms us. And we need to start healing, healing our families, healing ourselves. And it starts with us. So uh, break the cycles and really search for healing and self-love. Really, that's the message I would love for uh, folks to walk away with. Mm -hmm. How important is self-love for you, Sonia? Well, I think that's the whole... Um, you know, uh, purpose of the film was me looking for self-love and trying to find the reason for all the pain that I went through in my life and all the pain in relationships, trying to make sense of it all and alchemizing that pain into purpose. And I realized that the whole purpose of this was to discover self-love, which I had been lacking in that relationship and previous relationships. And so discovering self-love is really um, the, the harvest of this film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you want to throw out your social media platforms in case listeners want to check out or check yeah, out Addicted sure. to You? Mm-hmm. You can find Addicted to You on Instagram under Addicted to You Film. That's the handle. And then you can also follow me 
at Sonia Balcazar on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, so yes, please follow me there. All of the film updates will be on my Instagram. Um, I usually keep it pretty updated in my stories or my post on any upcoming screenings, as well as Addicted to You Film. You can check out and follow that Instagram handle and all the updates on the film will be there as well. All right. And shout out to Anthony L. Fernandez. He's been here a few times on the show, friend of the show. Shout out. Would you work with Anthony again? Yes, he's the one that referred me to you. Um, <laughs> that's how we met. Yes, Anthony, because he uh, he referred he had interviewed, I think, at least a couple times with you. And then he referred me to you. And that's how I met you last year. We had just finished working on Addicted to You. Um, and then I did the interview with you. So thank you, Anthony, for the introduction. And would you work with him again in another project? Yeah, we we had initially discussed before Addicted to You, we had discussed working on a project um, that I was thinking of doing a micro short project that I was thinking of doing in a three part episode. However, a lot of new fresh ideas have come my way for new projects and I've been proposed to to work on some other projects. So I have to put that uh, second that other project of mine aside until these other projects are done this year. So w one of these days, I'll go back and revisit that that initial project that I reached out to Anthony about working with him on. Um, and if I can get that on his feet, that would be great. But who knows? Some of these things take take decades. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm money in the budget too. And what do you call it? Anthony's yes, right? Say that again. Some of those things take money, budget and Anthony's yes, right to the project Correct. if he's interested in. And that's what I Correct. meant. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Obviously, um, depending on actor schedules as well, which I found to be, um, you know, it's challenging. Sometimes I've even in the film Addicted to You, we cast folks that couldn't make the schedule and we had to recast. And then I've been recast from films that I couldn't make. I was offered a role, mm -hmm. but I couldn't make the schedule work. So then I had to be recast. So it's pretty common. It's not anything that anybody takes offense to. It's just the business. If you're not available because you're working on this other film set, but you were offered a role in this other film set, you have, you know, it's just it's just a part of the business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Any final things you would love to tell Matt Radio Toronto? Um, <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. Thank you, uh, Donovan, for always creating a platform for myself, um, for other artists. Uh, thank you, Anthony, for introducing me to you, Donovan. And um, yeah, I'm just really grateful to be able to do my art every single day and to share uh, my art with the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hope we can do this again next year in 2025, but we don't want 2024 to leave. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hopefully I'll have a couple more films in, in, in the can after that. Um, but yeah, a lot yeah. of good projects coming up. All right. I thank you so much for coming back on the show again. And I wish you the best to the rest of this year of 2024. Thank you. You as well. Take All care. right. For Met Radio 1280 AM, I am Donovan LaCroxy. I would love to thank for returning to the show, actress Sonia Belcazar. Thank you so much for returning. Thank you. All right. Take care, Donovan. Bye-bye.